thank your worship team for leading us to that place. Let's pray together. Father God, we do thank you for your grace and care and compassion, God, that you do see each and every hurt, each and every need. You know the number of hairs on our head and everything that would ever happen to us before it ever does, God. You are in complete control. You love us. You are with us. And you care. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your church that we can be walking together and following you, knowing and understanding you, seeking you. And Father God, as we turn to your word now this morning, we just pray that you would speak. We want to know you. We want to see how you care. That we can trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn with me this morning to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. We're going to read this passage together as we begin today. Set the table for where we're going this morning a little bit. Psalm 103. It's a psalm of David and it says this. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not His benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and it remembers its place no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. The Lord's love is though with those who fear Him. Righteousness with their children's children. With those who keep His covenant and remember to obey His precepts. The Lord has established His throne in heaven and His kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you His angels, you mighty ones who do His bidding, who obey His word. Praise the Lord, all His heavenly hosts, you His servants who do His will. Praise the Lord, all His works, everywhere in His dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Amen. Our God is gracious. He is compassionate. 
He is slow to anger and abounding in love, and He has forgiven us and set us free even when we didn't deserve it. This year we're studying what it means to be a sacred presence in our world. A spiritual presence in the lives of others, bringing the presence of God into the lives of those around us. The power of His Spirit, the truth of His Word, the reality of His love. We want people to see and to know and to experience who Jesus is, His love for them and His hope for them and understand and embrace the life He has created them to know. To see the power of the gospel and the kingdom lived and spread out in the world around us. It's a huge and exciting and humbling mission and God has been revealing profound things to us as we've studied this about His nature and His mission, what He's inviting us into. And He's so much more in store for us. This Advent season is just a few weeks away now. And we're going to be looking at the power and nature of Jesus, the things that He is. His sacred presence and what He brings to us. And then in in the new year, we're going to be looking at the miraculous and sacred presence of God in His Word, the power of God's presence, what happens when God shows up, when He reveals Himself in the world. And the reality that we can expect Him to move because He is alive. He's working to bring all things in line with His nature, for His glory forever. God is good. But this fall we've been looking at the practical reality of this mission. What does it mean to be that sacred presence? What does that look like? How do we do that? We've been studying the fruit of the Spirit, the tools and the resources that God has given us to show the world who and what He is. That He is love and joy and peace. That He brings patience and kindness and goodness. That He desires faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That as we are are transformed by His Spirit, we will live these fruit in greater and deeper ways, sharing the joy and the power of His work in our lives with others. That He wants us to be these trees planted and rooted deep beside living water, providing shade and bearing fruit, knowing the blessings of God. And sharing those blessings with all those who have need. It's been an amazing journey. And I found myself being challenged more and more deeply as we've gone along. As God has been revealing all of the ways that I don't bear these fruit in my life. All the places and the people that he's called me to share them with. Where I fail. And it's humbling. It's hard but it's, it's easy to see even how my own life would be better if I would understand and embrace these fruit, hunger for them, desire to live them, let alone what a powerful presence it would be in the life of someone else. 
how much more wonderful and fulfilling would our lives be to know and to bear the love of God? To be filled with His joy. To know His peace and to bring that peace into the life of somewhere else. To trust Him and be patient. The fruit of the Spirit are gifts from God for us to enjoy. Because when our life is full of these things, we will find that they are everything that we need because He is everything that we need. The fruit of the Spirit is not some trite list of niceness for nice people to be nice. They are profound parts of the nature of God born in us, restoring us to what we were created to be. His very power to transform the lives of those around us, it's as big as it gets. And impossible for us on our own, but by the power of His Spirit, He will make us new. It's exciting. But we're coming to the end of this list. This is number eight of nine this week. The fruit of gentleness. And it's again another one of those perhaps kind of forgotten fruits a little bit. But it's hardly the least of these by any means. A couple of weeks ago we looked at the fruit of goodness. One of those ones that again I had said that I kind of easily skip over. And we found this incredible depth and power there, a a deep and serious call about the way that we live, that while there is nothing we can do to save ourselves, it is by faith alone, through grace alone, that we can be saved. At the same time, our behavior does matter. That God is calling us to pursue holiness and righteousness. That He has given us His Word and His Spirit and His church that we can know and understand how He wants us to live. That we can know the goodness of God and what He wants for us. It was a powerful challenge that God laid before us. Goodness was far from a throwaway part of this list. Each and every one of these words And others besides, things like hope and generosity and servant-heartedness and sacrifice. These are all important things that God wants to build into us that we need to understand if we want to be followers of Jesus. And this word gentleness is no different. Because gentleness too can feel like a little bit of a filler in this list. It's maybe even... One of the hardest ones to remember if you're just trying to list them out, unless you sing the song, of course. I'm not going to make you do it. (laughs) The fruit of the Spirit is love. Come on. We didn't learn that one. Maybe that was just a Hilda Baptist song. I don't know. (laughs) But as we kind of slide down to the end of the list, it can feel like one that we just kind of slide right by. It doesn't feel powerful or exciting. Again, last week we looked at faithfulness. Pastor Scott led us through that. An important, solemn, sturdy word, faithfulness. Love is powerful. God is love. Joy, fun, exciting, life-giving, patience, hard, spiritual, important. Gentleness feels soft. And in a world filled with 
Twitter flame wars and doxing, gotcha journalism and everybody canceling everybody. Gentleness is lame. It's weak. It's even wrong. We need to respond with strength. Bad things need to be met with justice. Enemies need to be shouted down and shut out. Where's the place of gentleness within all of that? What purpose does gentleness serve in a world filled with conflict and evil, with real problems and real oppression? How can we be called to gentleness in the face of everything we see around us? But God made no mistake and he put this word here on purpose for us to see and to know and and to try to understand because God is gentle and he wants us to be gentle too. Turn with me this morning to John chapter 21. One of the many examples of the gentleness of God. John chapter 21, we're going to read starting in verse 15 together. Here Jesus is resurrected. But the disciples are still very lost and confused. They've seen Jesus. They had the moment in the upper room where they were terrified and they've seen him a couple of times. But he's not traveling with them like he did before. They're on their own a little bit more and they're still kind of searching for what's supposed to be next here. What's happening is not clear and they don't know what they're supposed to do, where they're supposed to go. And even more deeply, they are all dealing with the fact that they failed him. They ran. They hid. They didn't believe. And none more so than Peter, the rock upon whom Jesus himself said he would build his church. The right hand, part of that inner circle of three. He saw everything. He saw the transfiguration. Jesus in all of his heavenly glory. And he was given this incredible mission and purpose by Jesus himself. And then... He yelled out that he would die for Jesus. He would follow him no matter what. And just hours later, he denies even knowing who he is to save his own skin. Peter is lost. He's broken. He's devastated. And he, with all of the disciples, have abandoned their mission and they've gone back to what they know and they're out on the lake here, fishing again. And Jesus appears to them on the shore and he performs this incredible miracle, the miraculous catch of fish. And then suddenly they know it's him and Peter jumps out of the boat and he swims to the shore and leaves all of them to haul all the fish in. And Jesus sits with them. And eats with them. And the whole time, Peter is obviously excited. Again, he swam back to shore, but he's terrified too because Jesus hasn't said anything about what he did. 
You can just feel him dying to scream out how sorry he is, wanting to make it all better, but not knowing how, not wanting to make it worse. It says this, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Do you love me? Then follow me. That's it. After the deepest betrayal, selfishness, cowardice, an abandonment. Jesus is so gentle. Peter was so broken. And so easily when we are hurt or betrayed like Peter did to Jesus, we want people to hurt in return. We can't just forgive them. We need them to know how much they've hurt us. We need to to hurt them back a little bit. We want to yell at them and tell them how they've hurt us to make them feel a little bit bad in return. And Jesus does none of that. He just invites Peter back in, even knowing that Peter would fail again. Years later, Paul calls Peter out for the way he was treating the Gentile Christians, this rock on whom the church is being built. Peter is refusing to eat with them and being embarrassed of them and going back to old ways and old things. Peter would fail again, just like we do over and over God responds to our failures, to our sin, to our betrayal and selfishness and ignorance with gentleness. When Elijah was running for his life and hid in a cave, God didn't come to him in fire or earthquakes or windstorms, but in a still, small voice. When Hagar, Abraham's servant, is running from God's own chosen people. Abraham and Sarah, his chosen path for the salvation of the world, they took God's plan into their own hands and put this poor poor servant girl in the middle of all of their sin and lack of faith and then pushed her out. God finds her in the wilderness, lost, alone, and comes with gentleness and care. The widow and the miracle of the oil, the widow whose son is raised to life, And right at the beginning, 
Adam and Eve, when they first sinned and broke the covenant of creation and set everything in motion down the darkest and most devastating path, God's most precious creation, violating the very image he had placed in them by his own breath and hand, he comes as he had so many times before in the cool of the day and says, where are you? gentleness of God is overwhelming. In the face of what we have done to Him, His care and compassion, His heart for us to be restored, not for punishment. God is gentle because He is good. God is gentle because He is love. God is gentle because He is faithful. He does not repay us as our sins deserve. As we read in Psalm 103 this morning, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for us. God is all-powerful and in complete control, and so He is gentle because He is good. When we look at the fruit of the Spirit, it's so interesting how this list just continues to build on itself, each piece building on the others and ending with self-control, as we'll talk about next week, balancing them all together. But what is gentleness but the outworking of full confidence in all of these things that God has promised to us that he wants to build in us. First John says God is love. And we go back to 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. And what are patience and kindness but the roots of gentleness? Gentleness is the culmination of all these other fruit. What is love but relationship with God? What is joy but full confidence in the presence of God and just enjoying who He is? What is peace but resting in the presence and care of God? Patience is knowing that God is in complete control and working all things toward His glory and purpose no matter what we're going through. He is there. Kindness is sharing the love of God with others, the gifts and blessings that he has given to us. Goodness is our lives aligning with his word, rooted in him, submitting to his law and design, living as he created us to live, and then continuing in faithfulness because he is faithful. And when that is where we live, the natural outcome is a gentleness of spirit and life. Because of everything that God is and has done for us. We don't need to fear. We don't need to get even. We don't need to take care of ourselves or get what we're owed, what we deserve. When we are treated poorly, when we are treated harshly, we don't need to respond with rage or selfishness or hurt. We can just be gentle. Because these are lost and fallen people just like us who need the love and presence of the Spirit in their lives too. Gentleness is the natural outworking of all of these fruits, a conscious effort to respond in the love and grace of God to lost 
and hurting people who don't know what they are doing. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Just like we've been forgiven. Gentleness is rooted in the gospel and in the knowledge that the world is a broken place. And people are in need of mercy and grace. It's knowing that God is in control and He is not calling us to lead, to make it right, but to follow and to trust Him. Deuteronomy 32, God says, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. He's got it. He will make everything right. We are called to sit with the lost and the broken, the prisoner and the outcast, the orphan and the widow, all those the world treats harshly. He wants us to show gentleness. And to those who hurt us too, to the ones that we want to hit back, he says a soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. He calls us through Paul in Ephesians 4 to live together and treat each other with all humility and gentleness. With patience, bearing with one another in love. Peter himself says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. This from the man who experienced the gentleness of Jesus, that grace and forgiveness and restoration more deeply than any of us can know. The Lord is compassionate and gracious slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. This is how God has treated us. How He has treated you. For all we have done, for all we still do, for all the ways we fail and betray Him and turn away from the incredible gifts of life and wholeness and joy to embrace selfishness and fear and hurt, God is gentle. He is forgiving. He is patient and kind and He is calling us to the same. The people around us are going to hurt us. They are going to fail and we can be gentle because we have a God who is in control and we can trust Him to be enough because He has done enough. This morning we come again to communion remembering the sacrifice of Jesus and we can hear again His gentle words challenging us to that same gentle heart. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
As we come to the table, consider the gentleness of God and how he is inviting you to that same gentle spirit. Who needs gentleness in your life this week? Your kids? Your spouse? Your friends? Who have you responded to harshly? Angrily that you need to seek forgiveness from? Jesus forgives and sets us free and we are invited to trust him and show that same gentleness to others that he has shown to us. This morning you can see we have crosses set up around the room and this table of communion is not the table of LFC. If you are a follower of Jesus, we would invite you to be a part of this. In a moment I'm going to pray. I will invite you to come up as an individual if you need. You can come as family or with friends and gather these elements together. You can take them back to your seat and pray together. And ask God for that forgiveness where we have been harsh, for that spirit of gentleness that we can respond to others as he has responded to us. If you're not able to make your way to one of the crosses this morning, Pastor Scott will be carrying the elements around. You can just flag him down and he'll bring them over. But let's be thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus. Let's remember what he has done and how he has not treated us as our sins deserve. That he has been gentle. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your gentleness. We thank you for the ways that you have cared for us. That you reveal your love and your heart to us. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. And that despite our failings, God, you come and you want to be with us. You want to restore us. You desire a relationship with us. We thank you for your son. That he took the punishment that we couldn't bear. That he was willing to die for us. And that he was raised to new life, conquering sin and death for all eternity. That we can know abundant life. Father, put those names and faces on our hearts this morning that we can respond in gentleness to those who need it. That we can seek forgiveness from those who need to. That you can speak to us this morning. We invite you here in Jesus' name. Amen. Room as you see fit.